welcome to the Domestic Fuel Cast, a podcast devoted to news and information about alternative fuels and energy, produced and hosted by Zimcom New Media. Charting the future of ethanol, I'm your host, John Davis. Attendees of the recent Fuel Ethanol Workshop and Expo in Denver, Colorado, heard some grim news that they probably already knew, that the past year was a tough one for the ethanol industry in this country. But at the same time, they looked at how to chart a new direction for ethanol and the promise of better days. The recent economic downturn tightened up credit markets and caused oil prices and consequently ethanol prices to fall. CEO of BBI International, Mike Bryan, didn't expect that ethanol would take such a hit. If I were to have thought a year and a half ago and looked at the economy and looked at things, I would have thought that ethanol in particular, and biofuels in general, would have been one of the last things to be hit by a downturn in the economy. Why would, why would we be hit? We're all of these good things. And so we're not importing oil. We're domestic. We're clean. And we're renewable. But as it turned out, we were hit. Brian says it had less to do with the economic conditions as it did with ethanol's image. An image, he says, that was tarnished by those outside of the industry who spread a lot of misinformation. And the ethanol industry allowed someone else to control that image. Food versus fuel issue was not really perpetuated by the grocery industry, as we all think. It was perpetuated by someone else. The land use issue regarding ethanol was not perpetuated by American farmers or even farmers in other countries. It was created by someone else. The energy efficiency issue was not something that Professor Pemintel dreamed up because he didn't have enough to do on the weekend. It was perpetuated by someone else. And I think it's important that we understand that. Someone paid him to do those things. Someone worked with the grocery industry to have those things done, to have those studies done, to create an image of ethanol that was false, that was a lie. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the real scam in this thing. It certainly was not us. And Brian says it's time to take back control of the message and the ethanol industry as a whole. To that end, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, Bob Deneen, made a fiery address to the group gathered for the fuel ethanol workshop that while there have been troubles, ethanol itself makes a very compelling case. There are new opportunities to seize and new markets to win over. Don't let anybody tell you that the ethanol industry is somehow responsible for despoiling rainforest or increasing carbon. We are the only option refiners have today to reduce their carbon footprint. Don't let anybody tell you ethanol is a government boondoggle. We are creating new hope, new markets for farmers, new jobs for willing workers, and new opportunities for entrepreneurs in communities where people need new pathways to a better life. Don't let anybody tell you that we need to choose between food and fuel. Our industry is doing both today. Don't let anybody tell you that cellulosic ethanol is somebody's pipe dream. Cellulosic ethanol is as real as the people in this room. If we stick together, if we do our work well, if we stay focused on the future, our potential is unlimited. In the near term, the long term, and as far as our eyes can see and our minds 
can imagine. And during the Research, Technology, and the Future of Ethanol Production panel discussion at the workshop, Dave Vandergrind, CEO of ICM Incorporated, a Kansas-based company that has been building and designing ethanol plants since 1995 with a special emphasis on improved process design and energy efficiency, pointed out that there are several paths to energy independence. The bridge from energy uh, dependence to energy independence is not a single-span bridge. It's a sectional bridge. And uh, fuel ethanol is from corn is one of those sections. And uh, it is not like we're passing the baton from generation one to generation two. It's like there's opportunities for all renewable energies to thrive and work together. But he also points out that corn is still the most efficient ethanol feedstock when you consider the food, animal feed, and fuel that you're able to extract from that same kernel. So if we were to separate the energy portion of that corn and we were to separate the food portion of that corn, uh, we would end up with the same two acres, one acre getting the, uh, getting the food side, in the words of Dr. Kloppenstein, University of Nebraska, where he stated that uh, one bushel of corn is uh, one-third of it is left over, times another bushel is two-thirds, times 1.45 is two bushels equals one bushel of food value. If you take then and turn that ethanol energy acre, you now have the most efficient energy crop uh, in the United States with grain-based, starch-based ethanol. And Jeff Broyne, CEO of Ethanol Producer Poet, points out that advances in seeds and production methods will squeeze more bushels of corn out of each acre and will squeeze more gallons of ethanol out of each bushel of corn while using less and less water and energy to do it. Now, today we're a, we're a fairly small industry, you know, uh, what, 12 and a half, 13 billion gallons today. Uh, not all that running, but out there today. But in 10 years, if you look at the supply coming from grain projected by one of our, our groups that's up here, I think 211 bushel per acre out 10 years uh, by Pioneer, we can have 30 billion gallons of grain-based ethanol. And if we're aggressive and the government's aggressive about it, we could have 10 billion gallons of cellulosic ethanol. So you have the grain base and cellulosic, we could be 40 billion gallons of ethanol 10 years from today if we don't allow the government to cap us from growing and if we, if we make sure they understand our industry. In 20 years, however, uh, we could actually do 50 billion gallons with a projected corn yield of 300 bushel per acre from Monsanto, one of our other participants up here. Uh, 50 billion gallons of ethanol while still increasing food and feed by 40%, by the way. Um, and in addition, we could do 85 billion gallons of cellulose if we're serious about it and if, if our country really wants to go there. We use 140 billion gallons of gasoline in this country today. So what I'm showing you on this slide is we could basically just about or basically replace gasoline in this country if we wanted to. So how do we get from ethanol playing the small part in the current energy picture to one day meeting Bruin's pinnacle of totally replacing all gasoline in the U.S. in just 20 years? Well, while multiple feedstocks and government changes will have to play a role, David Hiller, executive director of the Colorado Renewable Energy Collaboratory, a research consortium of several of the state's leading research institutions and the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, says don't underestimate the power of the private sector to make this happen. If we aren't successful in, in bringing technologies to the market, uh, then we've failed in our goal, and it's private industry, uh, like most of you folks, that will uh, bring these new technologies, particularly uh, breakthroughs in cellulosic ethanol, 
to, to market. And Larry Johnson from the North American Business Development Division of Biomass Ethanol Producer Inbicon reminds the group to keep the tough times in perspective and be ready to ride out these current economic conditions. Granted, it's difficult right now for a lot of industry people, but if you look back in history, we've been through a lot of things as bad or worse than this. The payment in kind, I remember we had a 4.2 billion bushel corn crop one year, less than a third of what we have today, because of government policies. We had 70 cent ethanol, $9 barrel oil. We had the, um, you know, continuous concern about engines. In fact, I'm amazed we still hear about small engines today, but I thought we'd put that issue to bid 15, 20 years ago. Uh, no financing in dry mill plants. When we started in Minnesota with Corn Plus and uh, Heartland at Winnebago, or Winthrop, uh, there was no financing. We took a year and finally convinced some financing to come in. Uh, that's going to happen. Right now it looks very bleak, but there's no doubt we will find the financing. Johnson says that the drivers for the next generation of ethanol will be oil prices, national security issues, and climate change concerns. In that order. And he, like many who attended the fuel ethanol workshop, believes biofuels, such as ethanol, are the only answer to those challenges. I'm John Davis reporting. You've been listening to the Domestic Fuel Cast, the official podcast of DomesticFuel.com. Check out the website daily for the latest good news about the alternative energy industry.